to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. They have laid the palm fronds on the ground and Jesus has made his way on that ass's colt into Jerusalem. And now he begins to teach. Uh, in last week, as we looked at this, we saw that even in all of the, the Israelites that were there praising him and shouting Hosanna in the highest, that among them came some Greeks that had come to Jerusalem to worship at the Passover. And they've come and sought Jesus. And uh, now Jesus is going to, again, as he does when any crowd is gathered, he's going to teach. So John chapter 12 and verse number 24 is where we're going to pick up tonight. John chapter 12 and verse number 24. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. Or sorry, unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. So, Father, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, said that it thundered. Others said, An angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This said, this he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered, <clears throat> sorry, the people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These, thing, these things spake Jesus, and departed, and did hide himself from them. Let's pray. Father God, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love, your care. We thank you for going to the cross and dying to pay for our sins. For this selfish act, this voluntary sacrifice, made a way for us to enter eternity with you. So Lord, I pray today as we study this week leading up to your crucifixion, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us to see all that needed to be accomplished and help us to understand why it needed to be that way. So God, please guide us and direct us today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we touched on the first part of our text a little bit last week. When Christ says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And we, we looked at the picture that we see every year here in Iowa and here in the Midwest. We see 
farmers go and they plant corn and they plant side soybeans and they plant all these crops and that seed has to go into the ground and it has to die in order for it to bear much fruit the yield on on the average seed of corn it brings a, a stock that yields three to five ears that has several hundred other kernels on it christ is reminding people here that he is going to die and again They've been blinded. They, they've not understood this teaching. They are still in the mindset that the Messiah is going to come as a conquering king. And he's going to ride in and, and overthrow whoever is in charge at that point. This At this point being Rome. That he's going to go in and he's going to, like the judges of, of old, deliver them from their oppressors. And then reign over them for a thousand years. But that's not the case. There is something else that needs to be conquered more urgently. And Christ is trying without telling them exactly what's going to happen. He's trying to point them in this direction. He's trying to help them to understand what is going to happen. Christ is going to die. We, we understand. We know the story. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to be scourged and beaten. He's going to be bloodied. The sins of the world are going to be placed on his body. And he's going to hang there on the cross and give up his life so that many can be saved. So that many can become sons of God. And as we looked at this last week, we understand that there are so many things with all of this that, that have to happen first. But he continues on with his teaching. He says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve him, serve me, him will my father honor. Christ is, is reminding those that want to serve him, those disciples, those apostles that are following him, that, that they need to go where he goes. If they want to serve him, they need to follow him. Today, if we want to serve God, we need to follow God. And I think today it's even harder for us than it was for the disciples then we know as Christ is being tried that Peter is going to go and, and he's going to hide on the outside and watch from afar and he's going to deny Christ three times. He's going to reassimilate himself with the world rather than serving Christ and being where he is. That's a struggle for us daily as we go through our lives. We, we so often think about what we need to do and, and what, what has to happen outside of what God really desires for us to do. We, we go to the, the gas pump and we, we pump our gas and completely ignore the person that comes to the pump next to us that needs to know that there is a way coming, that, that there is an end coming. This, this, uh, sorry, I have lost the picture. The, uh, yeah, this slide that is up here for our evening services, our, our the study through the book of John, uh, I picked that picture on purpose because there really are only two eternal destinations. There's heaven and there's hell. Everyone is going to one of those destinations, and the Bible is very clear on how we get to heaven. And it's also very clear on our responsibility, those of us that are saved, that know where we're going to spend eternity. It's very clear 
on our responsibility to serve the Lord and to share with others how to get there. Yet, we're so worried about our day and I need to get to work or I need to go to the grocery store and we're making all these lists and we're doing all these things that we completely neglect those around us. My wife and I had a a very rare opportunity. We went out on Friday night and had had a date. Uh, I was, uh, it's not, I'm going to say that we were not able to on Wednesday night, but we were here on Wednesday night. We were in the Lord's house for Valentine's Day where we needed to be. But this was our Valentine's celebration. We went out and uh, we went to Hickory Park and had some good food and uh, had some good conversation and ran into a bunch of people that we knew, uh, unfortunately. But um, no, it was good. Uh, it was a blessing uh, to see my family and, and uh, some of them. But uh, while we were there and while we were focused on each other and focused on uh, just connecting as a husband and a wife, we almost neglected to connect with the waitress and she was very uh a very good waitress we had a i don't know if any of you have ever had a green river soda so green river soda sorry this is this is off topic but this is interesting i found it interesting green river soda was introduced in 1919 uh by a company out of chicago uh on the uh that had the forethought to introduce something to take the place of beer because in 1920, prohibition went into effect. So they introduced this bright neon green soda uh, and they actually packaged it. They put it in old beer bottles. Uh, They were recycling even back then. And uh, it it was kind of, for a long time, it was second only to Coca-Cola. I think it was the only other soda besides probably root beer that was around, but... Um, it was second only to Coca-Cola. It was extremely popular, especially in the Midwest. And uh, we noticed it on the menu, and I decided I wanted to try it. It's kind of a – it would be kind of a Sprite, but if you have ever eaten the um, green Icy Pops, it's that melted and carbonated. Um, so it's got a very syrupy, very sweet flavor. So I decided I wanted to try it, and the waitress offered to bring a little cup for Rachel to try it because she'd never heard of it either. And uh, – when she came back, she didn't bring a little cup. She brought a full cup plus her Coke Zero and just gave it to us. Um, so I ended up drinking three instead of just... It was not my cup of tea. Yeah, Rachel didn't enjoy it. I, I however, I, I, however enjoyed it. But, a sip maybe, but not um, a cup. <laughs> for, for as busy as they were, they were packed. It was yeah. for, for two people. It was still a 30-minute wait. They were having... Uh, all-state speech competition for the high schools so when we pulled in there were three buses in the parking lot hickory park on a friday night was packed but she was she took care of everything that we needed we didn't have to wait for plates to be taken away we didn't have to wait uh for drinks we didn't have to wait for anything we just were there enjoying ourselves and uh we could have very easily just neglected to share with her our faith, our love of Christ, and, and His saving grace in us. But we left her a track. We had a took a little bit of her time and had a little bit of a conversation with her. But left her a track. A track. And but so often we go through our lives and and we forget that we are a servant of the Lord. This is not biblical. This is this is a saying that my pastor in Missouri would always say. But he said, if you own the gospel, you owe the gospel. If Christ has saved you and you know where you're going to spend eternity, then you owe that to him to serve him 
And he says, if you're going to serve me, then follow me. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. And this is, again, very prophetic as, as we go through and we understand that everyone, everyone at this point that's following Christ, the, the throng that had just brought him in shouting, Hosanna in the highest, his apostles, those 12 men that are, that are there, that are his closest circle, are going to, in one way or another, leave him or betray him very shortly, in, in just a few days. And then Christ goes on and he continues in verse number 27 and he shows us his human side. In verse number 27 he says, Now is my soul troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. And then verse 28 he prays, Father, glorify thy name. Christ, for all of his deity, for all of his, he is 100% God. But he came to this earth and is still 100% man. We know that at one point as he's starting his ministry, he's crossing the Sea of Galilee and, and he's tired. So he goes down into the bottom of the ship and he goes to sleep. We know that he had to take time to get away, to spend time with his heavenly father, to get away from the throng. And here we understand that he knows what's coming. He knows exactly what the next few days are going to bring. He knows that Judas is going to betray him. He knows that he's going to be beaten. He knows that he's going to be scourged, that he's going to have that crown of thorns crushed into his skull. He knows that he's going to have the sins of the world placed on him, that his, his heavenly father is going to turn his back and the world is going to be darkened as he dies there on the cross. He knows that he's going to be buried and that he's going to rise again. He knows the pain and the suffering that he's going to have. So it's no wonder that he might be a little bit troubled. But in all of this, he never forgets his purpose. It's a great picture for us. He is there in service of his heavenly father. He is there because he is God in service of, of the humans that he's walking around with, those that are lost and destined to hell. And he says, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. This is not a request. This is him emphatically making a statement. I cannot change this. I will not change this. I know what's coming. I know the pain. I know the sorrow. And I'm going to go through it anyway because that is why I am here. But his prayer is, Father, glorify thy name. Not, not his name. But that God the Father would be glorified. For us, as we go through trials and troubles in our lives, and we could all stand here and testify for hours about the hardships in our lives, about the things that have either drawn us to or drawn us away from God. But in all of those, we need to understand that if we are going through them, we're going through them for a reason. Back in the book of Job, in Job chapter 1, we see that the sons of God come and present themselves before God, and, and Job is brought up. God brings up Job, he says, have you, he's talking to Satan, he says, have you seen my servant Job? And Satan says that the only reason that Job serves you is because you bless him so much. So God allows Job to be tempted. God allows Satan to touch Job's life and to take everything that he has. And then a little while later, Satan comes back and presents himself again to God and, and they begin speaking about Job again. And, and Satan says, the only reason that Job serves you is because you protect him. 
So God allows Satan to touch his life and, and give him boils to where he has to take broken pieces of pots and scrape them to make himself feel better. And in all of this, Job sinned not. He charged not God foolishly. And then Satan doesn't even do this, but his wife steps up and his loving wife says, just curse God and die. And then his three friends, they want to be a blessing. They want to come and encourage Job. And, and they come and they sit with Job for seven days. And, and he's scraping himself. And they're just quiet. And then all of a sudden, after seven days of sitting there trying to be a blessing to their friend, they just turn on him. And they run him through the ringer. And they try to tell him that all of this has happened because of something that he's done. Because there's some wicked and evil sin in his life that he's hiding from the world. And it's all completely false. But Job knew and understood who God was. Job knew and understood that this was his lot in life. We looked this morning, we started the book of Daniel this morning, and Daniel was carried away into captivity as a young man, around 17 years old. And all of the things that Daniel had to go through, the things that he had to see in the times that he served those Gentile kings... He served them knowing that God was there. Knowing that not only was he serving those kings, he was serving a holy God. The creator of the world. And we see in Daniel's life that the world was changed. That God was able to use those Gentile kings to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. To rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. To send the Jews back to Jerusalem. So that they could begin to worship him again. And here, Christ, knowing everything that's to come, is willingly going to go through it to make a way for us. And as Jesus continues to teach, as, as he prays to his Father, his Father answers and says, I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. But the people around hear, hear thunder. They don't hear God speak audibly. They hear what sounds like thunder. And Christ said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. He's again reminding them that I'm not the one that needs to be encouraged. This is done for you. In verse number 32, he says, If I be lifted up from the earth, will I draw all men unto me? Christ knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows that he's going to hang on that cross. And he's promising the world that if he hangs on that cross, that he's going to draw the whole world to them. Now the interesting thing is, the Calvinist will say that not everybody can be drawn Many will, will question if he's drawing all men to him, then why are so many avoiding him? Why are so many away from him? Well, I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to lead a horse somewhere it doesn't want to go? Sometimes you can pull all you want, and it just doesn't happen. Yesterday... Uh, the boys and I went and helped one of my uncles. We changed a wheel bearing out on a on a car, and uh, we struggled a little bit. 
and um, I ended up having to have, uh, as we got everything loose and we're trying to get the axle out, I had to have Wyatt uh, wrap a strap around the hub, and he's got his foot up against the one of the supports underneath the car, and he's pulling with everything he's got, trying to get that hub to come through free, and and I'm down trying to take a, a socket and a, an extension and not round over the end of the axle shaft, and I'm beating on it with a sledgehammer trying to get it loose. It was stuck. It did finally come, but it was stuck. Even though God draws us to him, he's, he's seeking the whole world, we still have to make that choice to follow him. We still have to choose. The people begin to show their ignorance in verse 34. They said, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever, and how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Again, they are still stuck in the idea that this Christ, this Messiah, is the conquering king that's going to come in. But they're missing the point of what he has to conquer first. Before anything else can happen, Christ has to conquer death and hell. If death and hell is not conquered first, then all that Christ would do that conquering Messiah that would come in and overthrow Rome and take over and become king of Israel again, if death and hell is not conquered first, it would all be for naught. It would all be in vain. Back in Genesis, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They disobeyed God. They ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because of that, sin entered into the world and sin came upon all men. And gave us a penalty. And that penalty is death. An eternal separation from God and hell. But God in his wisdom. Even back in Genesis. When he removed Adam and Eve from the garden. He removed them from the tree of life. So that they would not eat of the tree of life. And have to live forever in their sin. He separated them. From the very thing that would keep them in that sin for eternity. To give them the opportunity to still be with him in heaven for eternity. Death and hell had to be defeated first. Verse number 35. Jesus said unto them. Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light. Lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Christ is reminding them that he is the light of the world. In John 8.12, John chapter 8 and verse number 12. The Bible says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And then again in John 9, 5. He said, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Christ is pointing back to these teachings, reminding them that he is the light of the world and begging them, pleading with them to walk in that light. Right now, 
Christ is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father. But He has sent His Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to come and indwell each and every believer. So right now, while the light of the world is in heaven, we are the light of the world. We are indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God. I haven't looked out tonight to see if it's a see what the moon looks like, but we all know the moon has no light in itself. Yet we see it almost every night. Bright, shining. There are some nights where it's so close they call it a harvest moon. It was loved by farmers of old because it was so bright that they could work even at midnight. Even at the darkest time, what should be the darkest time of night, the moon gave us light. Yet it doesn't give us light from its own. It reflects the light from the sun. It shows us that the sun is still there. It encourages us that there will be a tomorrow. The old song, the sun will come up tomorrow. I I, I, I'm a terrible singer, but I don't know that just popped into my head. But we have that blessing knowing that tomorrow, if God wills, the sun is going to come up. Just like it has every other day for the past 6,000 years. We get that from the moon, but the moon doesn't have any light in itself. Oftentimes throughout the Bible, the church, the bride of Christ, is likened to the moon. Because we are to reflect that light of Christ. We are to be that light that lights the path that shows the world how to get to heaven. He that walketh in darkest darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. I don't know, I've been in some pretty dark places. As a career fireman for the city of Creston, we uh, we did a lot of training. And um, I, I was pretty mean to the guys. But I didn't put them through anything I didn't go through myself. But one of the things that we had to do is we put on our air packs and our masks. So we were breathing out of our, our air pack. But we would put garbage bags, heavy black garbage bags, over their head. Now... If we didn't have the air pack, that would be very, very, very cruel. But we did. But we blacked it out so that you could not see. So you didn't know where you were going. So you had to feel everything. And then we would either have a house that we were training in and we would send them into a room and and have them map out the room. Or we had some obstacles that we would set up in the truck bay and we would uh, cause them to to get caught and drop ceiling tiles and and jump on them to to simulate things collapsing on them to the point where they had to free themselves. And all of this was done for the purpose of them not panicking so that they could navigate their way around and find what they needed to find in the absolute darkness so that they were confident that if they had to go in, if they had to save somebody, that they could do that. So that we were confident that they could do that. So they didn't panic. But so often, we would have them go in and, and they would they would try and map out or guess which room we had them in and map out where all the furniture was, and they would be completely wrong. They, they wouldn't be able to figure out what... Uh, I, I remember one time being in a fire, actually, and I, I crawled in and got stuck under a desk. Um, because I thought it was a doorway. 
I, I crawled around the corner thinking I was going down a hall or going into a room, and then I was stuck. And, and everywhere I turned, I couldn't move. And the guy behind me had to grab a hold of my uh, feet and pull me backwards because my air pack was stuck on the top of the desk to get me loose. We can't see in the dark. We can't possibly know where we're headed when we're in the dark. So we have to have the light. There are so many in this world right now that are walking just in complete and utter darkness. That are just stumbling their way through and suffering. I made mention of the, the police officers and the paramedic that were shot in Minnesota. The call that they were responding to was a domestic uh, assault situation. And the person who was the aggressor uh, shot at them. He taken... Uh, I believe, taking his wife hostage and shot at them as they were leaving their vehicles. People that have light, that know the love of God, that know where they're going to spend eternity, generally aren't the type of people that do those things. I would, without hesitation, say that that person is lost without hope that they're buried in whatever trial and trouble they're in right now, burdened down to the point where they can't even breathe. Because they have no hope. Because they're living in darkness. And then in verse number 36, Christ says, While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. Again, he's reminding them that soon he is going to go away. That he has to depart. Not only does he have to depart uh, as he dies on the cross, but then he's going to ascend into heaven and prepare a place for us. Excuse me. And he won't be with them any longer. Let me remind you today that time is short. That one day very soon, Christ is going to return and he's going to call us all out. We are going to be taken to heaven to spend eternity with God. And that is going to trigger seven years of the worst times that this world has ever seen. There will be no light on this earth anymore. That time is coming very soon. I didn't read verse 37 when we started, but verse 37 is very telling for all of us. It says, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. Just a few days before, Christ had raised Lazarus from the dead. A man who had been dead for four days Christ said, Lazarus, come forth, and he walked out of the grave. His disciples, the apostles, those that followed, had watched him turn water into wine, had watched him multiply, multiply loaves and fishes to feed thousands. 
They'd watched him walk on water. Peter himself had walked on water with Christ. They had watched him perform miracle after miracle after miracle. And yet, they don't completely believe. You would think if anybody would have been the one to follow Christ to the very end, it would have been Peter. Peter had been there for every miracle. Yet he denies Christ three times as he's being tried. How about you? How about me? I've seen Christ over and over again work in my life. I have seen him do tremendous miracles. I can see his fingerprints. I can see his hand guiding from the very time that I was born all the way to now. And I've watched him move heaven and earth in my life. Yet how often do I still doubt? Do I still worry? Do I still fear? How often do I feel like it's just not worth it? These people brought him in shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, the King of Israel is coming. Yet in just a few days, they're going to be shouting, crucify him. Those that are closest to him are going to betray him and deny him. The hard times, the dark times, bring out our true selves. How easy is it for us to fall out of the light? As we continue this next week, and I have a feeling this is going to bring us all the way up. We didn't... uh, We didn't talk about Palm Sunday on Palm Sunday, but I believe this is probably going to take us all the way to the crucifixion, all the way to Resurrection Sunday before we get there. But as we look at these last few days of Christ walking this earth before he was crucified, it needs to encourage us. It needs to strengthen us. It needs to remove every root of doubt that's in us because the Bible tells us the times are only going to get worse we're we're praying for revival we're praying for revival here in Maxwell we're praying for revival in the state we're praying for revival in the country and in the world and we've seen some great things that have happened legally in our state in the last few years but the Bible tells us That the world is decaying. That it's dying. That it's only going to get worse. Our struggles are only going to get harder. We need to remove all shadow of doubt about who Christ is and who he is to us. Like these people here that Christ is teaching, the very first step is understanding that he's our savior. Is understanding that he came to this world to die on the cross to pay for our sins. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
Salvation is by grace through faith alone. It's only by believing in what Christ did on the cross. By accepting his free gift of salvation that we can enter heaven. Something so easy, yet so hard for most of us. That's the first step. And then we have to not forget everything that he's done in our lives. So that we can serve him and be where he is. Because Christ says, where my servants are, or where I am, there my servants will be. So let's be where Christ is today.